These words again from Ephesians chapter 5. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. As we've been examining these words over these past few weeks, we can't help but hear a resounding caution being given that we are to be very careful and to exercise great caution as we venture through the dark and evil days that prevail on our earth every day. Our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're clever, and they are very adept in their efforts to turn you and me to their way and to their will. And so the Lord reminds us with these words, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, but for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I've been thinking this morning is so appropriate to this season of the year when celebration, the word celebration is the watchword, both for the Christmas season that just passed, but also for this upcoming New Year's season as we know that it has become a custom across at least our nation of America to greet people at Christmas time by offering them a glass of Christmas cheer. Christmas cheer, such a inappropriate thing to do, but we do that. Christmas cheer, alcohol. And then especially in these days that are just ahead of us to celebrate the new year, how do you welcome in the new year? I do recall when uh, my wife and I used to uh, drink more than we should have in those days before we knew the Lord. You would lock arms with someone, especially your spouse, and you would each turn up a drink of alcohol, wine, some other form. But that's the way we celebrate New Year's coming in. One, two, three, four drinks. And folks, listen, if the Lord sees fit Himself to warn us away from that kind of behavior, then we really ought to take notice. We really ought to take notice. Now, what are the dangers that God is warning us away from with these words when He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. The dangers begin within our own flesh. As we all know, alcohol in its simplest form, is a drug. It simply is, and we know that. A drug that from that very first moment that that drink enters into our body, it will cause changes to begin to take place within us, within every molecule of our body, within every thought process of our mind. And to make some foolish excuse and say that alcohol doesn't have those effects on me or on us. Truly is foolish. After all, isn't that why you turn that drink up to begin with? It is some hope that there will be something changed within us. So then, you and I need to realize and accept the simple truth that alcohol will absolutely do what alcohol does. So again, what are the dangers that God is warning us away from with these words? The first danger has to do with our relationship with Him. Recall that the first and the greatest commandment 
as Jesus defined it for us. He requires us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. First and greatest commandment. And God knows that all of those elements of our being will be involved as we reach forward to do that, to love him. Here he is taking into account that as we drink the alcohol, it will then travel throughout our bodies and it will quickly enter into every part of our being, into our heart, into our soul, into our mind, and into our strength. And as that alcohol courses its way through each of those, it will have its effects. Thinking back on a recent message, I'm convinced that the alcohol really does have another spirit that hides within its wake. Now recall in that message just a couple of weeks ago that the origin of the word spirits as it relates to alcohol comes from an Arabic word, alcohol, spelled A-L-K-U-H-L, which in that culture is the name of a body-eating spirit. A body-eating spirit. And when those Arab alchemists who were experimenting with the brewing of their whiskey ingested that alcohol, they noticed that their senses went dead. And so they named the substance according to its body-eating qualities, calling it alcohol. And then from there it's developed this synonymous word of spirits to alcohol. And in that same message we asked the question, could those alchemists perhaps have truly given a correct estimation of what was taking place. That this body-eating spirit might be then coming into our own body, our own spirit. Could God have chosen to reveal that warning about that kind of thing taking place as we would ingest that alcohol, that another spirit than our own? is being introduced into our heart, soul, mind, strength. Folks, listen, I must confess to you that I I am fully convinced that that is exactly what God is warning us about when he says to us that we're not to get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Now, am I suggesting that simply taking a drink of alcohol introduces a great influence of even a demon? I'm not saying that that always takes place. But I am suggesting to you that the demonic world is always close at hand and they are very eager to add their evil influences into the effects of that alcohol if we will only allow them to do it. If we foolishly just partake of one and then another and then another. Alcohol really is a weapon of choice for the demonic world. It's big in their arsenal. And all you have to do is look around you and you'll know that that's so. And what is their desire? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what Scripture says. So here God sees fit to offer His warning in the form of a strong and deliberate, straightforward contrast. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, those words are a clear contrast of two distinctively different choices. 
with each choice having its own distinct effect. You and I can either become drunk with wine, fully dissipated, corrupted by its numbing effects, or we can put that alcohol aside and instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Put it another way, we can invite that other spirit, that body-eating spirit, within that alcohol to come in and take control over our heart, soul, mind, and strength, corrupting everything as it comes in. Or we can instead invite the Holy Spirit to come in and take control over our heart, soul, mind, and strength, bringing with Him what the Holy Spirit brings. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness. Now may I offer one more observation about this verse. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice here that there are are no other options being offered within these words. Only two. And remember that God does not give His word in a needless fashion. Here He restricted His warning to only these two possibilities. Drunk, dissipated, corrupted with wine, or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's nothing mysterious about that. It's just a contrast. It is clear and plain and straightforward And you and I need to take that warning simply in the way that it's presented to us. Now, may I also remind us again that these words of the book of Ephesians, beginning, if you'll recall, back in the first chapter, it was said to us that these words are written to committed Christian believers. Those who truly have received Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. These words of Ephesians are written to us. And here God is saying to us, His beloved children, that you and I must not allow ourselves to travel down that path. That path of being filled with that other spirit that comes from the world, flesh, and the devil. But we must instead be filled to the fullest with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. As I was seeking the Lord for the words for this message, I found that there were nearly a hundred separate references within Scripture that speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and or allowing His Spirit to abide within us. Let me read just a couple of those to us. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. When we receive Christ, He comes to dwell in us. Ephesians 4.30 And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And He says to us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By not being wise in the things that we do. By making the wrong kinds of choices like drinking of too much wine. Acts 4.31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake in the words of God with boldness. Romans 5.5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given to us. And these verses just go on and on and on. God admonishing us to surrender our hearts, our souls, our minds, our spirits to Him, to allow His Spirit to come in and abide within us. Now a question. What does it really mean 
to be filled with the Spirit. Stop for a moment and ask yourself that question. What does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, our charismatic friends, they have uh, a, a special uh, understanding of what that means. But specifically, what do our scriptures tell us that that means to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What takes place within us? What does it feel like? Can you actually, can I actually feel the presence of God's Spirit when He is fully abiding within me? Can you feel the Holy Spirit as He abides within you? Now I must confess to you that for the most part of my years as a believer in Christ, this command has been somewhat a mystery to me. Beginning with, though the words are very simple, be ye filled with the Spirit. If I receive Christ the moment that I'm saved, can He fill me any more than Him coming to live within me? Can I be filled any more? Any greater amount of His Spirit within me? Now preachers have preached a lot of sermons on those very words on that question. And I must confess to you that that first thought remains a mystery to me. Now for myself, as I ask the Lord to help me to understand what He is saying in those simple words, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, my understanding leads to at least the first step in the Scriptures that speak about and use the word all and whole in those commands from God. Let me just read a couple of those to you. Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart? Or do you just give Him a portion of it? Do you restrict the rest of your heart to your family, to your work? to your dreams, your hopes? Or do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength? Psalm 119.10 With my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 119 verse 34 Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. In some way, folks, listen. Well, perhaps many ways. You and I are able to limit, to restrain, to restrict the presence and the power of God and of His uh, Holy Spirit and His effectual working within us. We can do that. We can limit what God is doing within our souls. But listen, to the degree that we will freely allow Him full access and control over all that we are, over all that we think, over all that we say and do, that is the degree to which you and I will be able to allow Him to do His marvelous work within us, allow His Spirit to do His work within us. And so perhaps part of it may be at least just a simple understanding that if you and I are only willing to make a little commitment, then very little will be accomplished. But if you and I are willing to make a greater commitment, a greater surrender to Him, then greater things will be accomplished within us. Now to be sure though, and listen, this is so very important to this understanding. To be sure, it really is dependent 
to some measure on you and I upon our free will surrender of ourselves into his hands. Why do I say that? It is because these words are a command. These words are a command. In other words, the question being, does God simply fill us with his spirit and we have nothing to do with it? He simply does it of his own accord to the measure that he wants to. It does depend upon you and me and upon our free will surrender to him. And again, why do I say that? It is because these words are a command. And as we said in an earlier message, when God gives you and me a command, it means that you and I have some responsibility for the doing of that command, for the carrying it on forward. And here he is giving us a command to be filled with his spirit. These words are clear and they are plain. And you and I must do our part. And the simple truth is that you and I must join with God's Holy Spirit in His filling our spirit with His Spirit. You and I need to stop offering Him just a small portion of who we are. Having an involvement of only to a smaller, a lesser involvement. You and I need to give Him our whole heart. To say it in another way, Much of the sanctification that God brings into our soul really is a joint effort between us and Him. Him giving us the power and the strength and the will to do it, but then our working it out in the practical matters of our day. Where do I find that? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Did you take careful note of what God said there? It is first his hand, God's hand, and then our own hand that's put to work in our sanctification. These words that I just read tell us that God gives us both the will and the ability to do his will. Sometime right almost 40 years ago, I started to want to know Christ. I started to have the will to know Christ. Folks, I did not suddenly wake up one morning and decide I wanted Christ. Scriptures do not say that we'll ever do that. What they do say is what I just read. He will give us both the will, He'll give us the desire to know Him, And he put that desire within me. Again, these words tell us plainly. He gives us both the will and the ability then to reach on into getting to know and to want his will. But listen, unless and until you and I are willing to get up and get about doing his will, we will languish, falling short of his plan for us. And that's what's taking place throughout our church today. I'm not talking about just this building. I'm talking about through the church across our world. A lot of folks are sitting in pews today, but have they given their whole heart to Christ? Do they really want to do His will? He is inviting you to do it. But are you willing to get up and get about doing it? Are you willing to get up just a few minutes earlier in the morning so that you can have time to begin to read these scriptures? 
to begin to take these words of Christ into your own heart so that you'll start to know what He wants of you. Are you willing? You and I need to, from this moment forward, diligently begin to seek how this can begin to really take place in our lives. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Now may I add one other thought to these words. There's a Bible scholar that I really enjoy reading. His name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he contends that if we diligently dedicate ourselves to the pursuit of being filled with God's Holy Spirit, then our pursuit will invite an additional special presence of God's Holy Spirit, that the Lord Jesus Himself will pour out His Holy Spirit upon us. And He'll pour out a measure of God's presence such as we have never known before. And I need to confess to you that I do desire that the Lord would do that in my own life. I would love for Him to pour out His Spirit upon me and my house so that we would know Him like we have never known Him before. But let me return to the question we posed a moment ago about what really takes place when we're filled with the Spirit. What does it feel like? Can we actually feel the presence of God's Spirit when He is fully abiding within us? May I give an unqualified yes to that question? Yes, we are able to know and to sense His blessed presence within us. Yes, His Spirit has been given to us at the moment that we're saved. But as we surrender our hearts over to Him more and more, and as His Spirit lives and abides within our spirit, His blessed fruits begin to change our thought processes, begin to change our behaviors, causing us to think and to act very differently from that person that we once were. His fruits are described for us here. Let me read these for us. This is Galatians chapter 5, and I mentioned them a moment ago. Chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When those fruits are administered and empowered by God's Holy Spirit, they enable us to do things we would not otherwise be able to do. The other night, my son and I were talking about, is it good just to practice these, just to practice loving, being joyful, having peace, having patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness? Yes, it's good. But it's not the best thing. The best thing is when you and I surrender our hearts over fully to Christ. His Holy Spirit then starts to allow those fruits which are His. Not us practicing them, but the actual fruits of the very Holy Spirit Himself to come to the surface in our life. And suddenly love is a lot better than the kind that you and I can give. We'll have peace that passes all understanding. We'll have patience that we never knew before. But that's only as we surrender to the Holy Spirit and He brings those fruits into our lives. So then, can you feel it? Yes. Listen, I have been for most of my life wretchedly impatient. It is my personality. But God's Holy Spirit fruit of patience 
has blessed me an awful lot in these years. And then to add blessing upon blessing when His Holy Spirit comes in, He not only brings the patience, He brings love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness. And my life has been changed. I've found myself be able to love people that are not very lovable. Now, I'm still not able to walk through all my days with harmony and serenity. But I am so very thankful, so very thankful that my life is so much better than it used to be. And God is still changing. So then I, you and I, have these two options in front of us. On the one hand, shall we be drunk and dissipated and corrupted by drinking too much alcohol? Or, on the other hand, can we be filled with the loving presence of God's Holy Spirit and have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness? Which one must we choose? Folks, it's really an easy decision. It really is. It's an easy choice to make. I personally prefer love and joy and peace and patience, and I know that you do too. And I want to encourage us as we close I want to encourage us to simply surrender and say, Lord, I want to give you all of who I am. All of my heart, all of my soul, my spirit. And so, I beseech you and me then to do not be foolish, but to understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but instead to be filled with His Spirit. Let's pray.